Hi. You guys want some cookies? 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 Welcome back to the garage. Welcome to another edition of the Throwback Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. Joined as always by my bosom buddy, Bubby Castrone. Hey, Bob. Oh, hey, Dan. We're back. It's an all new season of the Throwback Podcast. What new, season are we in? New season. I think we decided it's, I don't know, season five. Ooh, that's getting, you're getting into tricky territory, season five. Most, most television shows. Season one, it's a show finding its footing. That tracks with our podcast. Yep, that was our pretty much sucked our, early on. Our headgum days, yeah. Okay. Uh, season two, you find your footing. It's like, okay, you got something cooking. Season three, you're in full flight. Right. It's like, this is the podcast, probably as good as it will ever be. Season four, depending on the people involved with the project, you could kind of continue that high for another season, which I think we did. But in almost all cases... Season five is the tipping point mm-hmm. uh, where you begin begin a slow, sometimes slow, sometimes precipitous decline. Uh, I'm going with the latter for us. <laughs> I think that we are definitely trending towards the latter, just us as people as well. It all kind of checks out that this would just be a steep fall from grace very quickly. I look forward to it. I want I want to get to the bad years of the throwback podcast just well, so... It makes the other shows look better in retrospect. I guess it's a good sign that we didn't redo the theme song to have like a hip hop flair to start the new season because you know a show's in trouble when they start messing around with that. Uh, neither of us have gotten haircuts right. in, you know, part due to COVID or entirely due to COVID. But uh, we look the same. So nobody's getting more attractive. Right. We're just settling into what this is. And we're just going to ride it out until the fans turn it off. We do have a, a six-year-old red-haired boy. <laughs> he's highly precocious uh, just we're, to mix things up. He's in. We're not supposed to talk about that. He's in the garage. No, and we don't technically um, have possession of him. No, we just found him. There is to mix things that up. That doesn't make it any better. There is one big difference, though. We've kidnapped a child. We've kidnapped a child, and this season, yes, at least to start the season off, I'm drinking alone. Yeah, that is the yes, big difference. Yes. Holy cow! We do have a season five twist. If if during this episode you notice that I sound. A little bit smarter, but less funny. It's because I am going dry in January. This isn't uh, this isn't a situation where I've I've hit rock bottom or decided I need to have alcohol out of my life forever. No, it's more 2020, as we all know, was highly challenging uh, on so many levels: personally, professionally, family, uh, the challenges of seeing each other and not seeing each other. Kids being at home all the time. And I definitely upped my alcohol intake in 2020. I'm not mm-hmm. alone on that. No. And I think my biggest problem was not that I felt like uh, booze was an issue for me. It's that you were kidnapping little redheaded children. Well, that was an issue. Yeah. Um, I did that sober, by the way. <laughs> um, it, it was that I felt like I was needing to drink more to get to a nice little buzz. <clears throat> and I want to reset my tolerance. And also, it's a healthy thing to do. So I'm doing this uh, so far. We're what, like six days, five days into the new year? It's already a challenge. I have to be honest with you. Right. Well, I don't know if this will help at all, but I have no respect for what you're doing. Thank you. I think you're a quitter. Okay. I think a real man would go sober for 20 years or just keep drinking <laughs> and ignore the problems. So, so you know, this is going to be a struggle for both of us to get through this. Yeah. No, I think, uh, and I do, I really do, I have to say, respect your lack of support for me. 
um, because I'd rather you keep it real. Because sometimes you find when people stop drinking, and again, I'm not in that category, but when people stop drinking, uh, their friends will be like, oh, that's so cool. We're, we're supportive <laughs> of you. Nope, not me. And then like <laughs> quietly, but to the other friends, like, oh, this this guy's not fun anymore. Like, you know, he was much cooler when he drank. Um, you're just upfront about it. Yeah. You and, don't support well, it. You don't want this to be happening. Because look, there, there are people we've known who have sobered up over the years and they've remained sober. And those are people that you say, that's good. I'm glad you did that. You had a problem. I'm glad you got it under control. You are just being a dick. Yeah. You're just making me drink alone right now. Yes. And I don't respect that at all. And you have to drive home too. I'm so go- like, so- I'm pulling for you to be like, oh, I'm feeling loose in the garage. I'll have a couple more. And then I'll call the authorities. And <laughs> oh I mean, God. just... That's called getting even. Okay. I guess get a DUI on your record. 2021, all about revenge. <laughs> it is 2021. How about that, Bob? We're doing another year of the Throwback Podcast. Well, another couple shows. Who knows? Who knows? We'll it, see what happens. There's no way to tell anymore. We never know. Uh, what's going to happen. But uh, this, we figured we wanted to start a new year, a new season, if you will, with a big name. And uh, geez, what's a bigger name? In, in pop music over the last 20 years than Britney Jean Spears. I mean, there is none. That's it. Britney Spears. Maybe Beyonce. I mean, and we're not talking about her as a creative entity, but just like a huge star. She, I mean, it was one of those seismic shifts in what pop was when Britney hit the scene. And we're going to get into her debut album that uh, whether you were rock fans or hip hop fans or pop fans or country music fans, Everybody knew who Britney Spears was. Right. Didn't matter. And um, I do believe I read a profile when she was writing the album. She went and found a log cabin log cabin in Minnesota uh, and just wrote and just emptied it all out, arranged the album herself, produced the album herself, uh, played drums on it, bass. I mean, she's just a fantastic uh, art. No, none of what that were, happened. I was going to say, what were you reading? <laughs> none of this happened. Is this back when you were drinking? She kind of sang on it. Maybe. I'm not even sure Britney Spears sang on this first album. Uh, it might be her voice. Uh, but, uh, you know, it was a lot of, a lot of cooks in the kitchen for uh, Britney and her career. But it was a machine that churned out uh, hits for a long time. And we were kind of on the ground floor as uh, right at the end of high school, early right into college mm-hmm. when she was hit, hitting. And we'll get into that because it, I was thinking about what that what would it would have been like if Britney dropped today? Like, how would we react to her compared to the way we did then? Right. Way different because we're creepy old men now. Just mm-hmm. disgustingly old men. But, Dan, this also is a poll winner, a Patreon poll winner. Yeah, Britney it's a poll Spears. winner. Yeah. There we go. We'll get right into that. Yeah. Back in November, we're a little in the weeds with our polls, but back in November, Dick. we asked our uh, Patreonies at patreon.com slash throwbackpod. It's time for somebody to make their debut on the pod. Who do you want it to be? Britney, Madonna, Prince, or Bon Jovi? I think you can predict. Uh, oh, actually, no, you can't predict who came in last. I would definitely say Bon Jovi came in last. No, Madonna came in. What last. is going on with Madonna? I don't know. People our, hate Madonna our, now. Our fans hate Madonna. She's never won a poll, and not even come close. I don't because if if uh, obviously Madonna was around twenty years before, or almost twenty years before Britney showed up, but Madonna was the biggest female star before Britney Spears. But it, it just feels like she hasn't tracked. Right. The last 10 years or so, for no, whatever reason. I agree with that. We we would love to do a Madonna album, but people are just not buying it. Bon Jovi was uh, 
came in third at 15% of the vote. People should know when we do a Madonna album, it's a direct fuck you <laughs> to the paper. Uh, for just being disrespectful <laughs> to everybody, for one of the great pop artists of her generation. It's a fuck you to everybody who supports <laughs> us on Patreon.com. Thank you for throwing in $2 a month and $6 a month to vote in these polls. Second place was Prince at 35%, and Britney took it home with 37% of the vote. I'm very surprised Britney won this. I would I would have absolutely thought that um, Prince would have taken it, and then Madonna second, and I would have said Britney third, or even fourth behind Bon Jovi. Yeah. Uh, but for her to win, good for her. Good for That's her. It's a big W. You know what? Nowadays, in uh, 2021, she could use it. She could use this W. I think so. And we'll get into it a little bit later, but I... I, my goal for this show is for it to reach her and then um, her to talk about it on her completely fucking insane Instagram account. <laughs> That's my goal. That's a good goal. But you know what? We're not going to start with Britney Spears on January 7th, 2021. We're going back to January 12th, 1999, when Baby One More Time came out. What was going on in the world then? Bob? You know what came out the very same day, Dan? What? One of your favorite albums. Sugar Ray's 1459. Whoa, huge. <laughs> That's the one with Fly on it. No, it's the follow-up. Oh, the follow-up? Yeah. Oh, because the 15, 15 minutes, minutes of, of fame, fame, which was kind of clever. Yep. That one had the um, Every Morning, yep. which was exactly the same song, just a little <laughs> bit poppier. Yep. I have to say, I like all their sellout pop. Oh, is that the one also with Someday? That Someday. One? Yeah, that's a good song. Great song. I love that song. It's a banger. That's a great supermarket song. One of the great supermarket songs yeah. is Someday. Someday. Dun, 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 when my life, when we, my life. How, how have we not done? Have we done Sugar Ray? Who knows? It's I, impossible I'm, to I'm tell. I'm playing it, Bob. I don't care. I assume we've done at least one Sugar Ray album on this podcast. I mean, if we were going to do a, a Sugar Ray album, it would probably be floored, right? You would have to think. Not the one with uh, Nicole Eggert on the cover <laughs> and uh, Mean Machine. Best song called Someday. Uh, by Nickelback, The Strokes, or Sugar Ray? Oh, three-way tie. Yeah, you have to go. You have to go three-way tie. Where do you think someday is on, what's the track listing for the best of Sugar Ray, which is something that exists? Um, where is it in the track listing? Two. Incorrect. Oh. It's track four, okay. which is a really good spot right after Fly, yep. which is locked and loaded. I knew it was going to be on obviously. one side. I knew it was going to be on one side of Fly. And then um, right after it is... Some song called Under the Sun and then Every Morning, which is the other huge hit. Yeah. Which was the lead single on 1459, right? Of course. I right, just listen a little bit of the greatest fucking song ever. <laughs> I think it's a good, this song is a good reminder that this podcast was never created, and here's the proof, to show that we have some type of high level taste. That, no, it's just. The music that we like. Yeah. And somehow Sugar Ray's second single off their second album got us. Neither of us were pounding the... T- okay, hold please. I mean, Bob, we've please been doing this five out. seasons. Please that was the chorus. Neither of us were vocal, we like this Sugar Ray song, people at the time, but secretly, every time it came on MTV, you were watching it in full. You weren't turning it off in the car. No. It's a good song. All right. What else is going on? On uh, January 7th, 1999, the Clinton impeachment trial began. Oh, innocent times. Innocent times. Uh, That happened. He got, uh, he was impeached, right? 
Of course. Um, but he wasn't whatever the convicted. It was a similar thing to Trump where he got impeached, but then it stopped at that. Mm-hmm. And they actually, it was a big enough deal because it was the first time a president had been impeached since Richard Nixon, uh, that they broke into Sunday NFL coverage for it, which was super fucked up because that was a really good Jets team. That's right. That's right. They made uh, the playoffs that year. They almost went to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Also on my little list of things that happened that month, Dan, was not the Jets game, but it was the Gary Anderson game. Oh, For the Minnesota Vikings against the Atlanta Falcons where... Why don't you do this, Dan? This is right in your wheelhouse. Yes, yes, of course. Uh, yes, this was a Championship Sunday, 1999, and actually the early game was Falcons Vikings. The Vikings were 15 and one. It was Randy Moss's rookie year. Uh, Chris Carter was still a star. Brad Johnson was a stud. Robert Smith was the running back. They were one of the great offenses in the history of the league, and the Falcons sucked. Uh, you know, they got to the playoffs, but nobody believed in them. And the Vikings could not put away the Falcons. Uh, They needed Gary Anderson to hit, I believe, a 37-yard field goal to ice the game late. He blows it. The defense lets down. And then the Falcons somehow win in overtime. He hadn't missed a kick. He had not missed a kick the entire season. And then later in that day, uh, the Jets blew a 10-0 lead in the third quarter to the Denver Broncos in the AFC title game. Our buddy Greg, um, who's a huge Vikings fan, very sad that day. Me, very sad that day. Let's not talk about that day anymore wow i'm glad we brought that up yeah uh yeah i mean it was an innocent time the sopranos debuted on hbo on wow. january 10th family guy debuted on fox oh we were so in on that who on was floor. it yeah family guy we talked about britney being a phenom that first episode of family guy was one of those things in college everybody was walking around right. being like did you see that because the kind of comedy we're all used to it now because it's been on the air ever since minus a little uh, window when they were canceled, but that kind of comedy wasn't a type of comedy at the time. That right. random cutaway humor was just shocking to us. And I remember the uh, the Kool Aid joke was the one that everybody was talking <laughs> yes. about because it was just so random and it was calling back to something from our childhood where they were in the courthouse and Peter got you know thrown in jail for something and everybody <laughs> goes oh no oh no oh no and then out of nowhere the Kool-Aid man bursts through the wall and said oh yeah <laughs> and everybody looks at him and he awkwardly backs away and that at the time was mind-blowing comedy it was and Seth MacFarlane's now a zillionaire doucher who does swing jazz albums uh, in a serious way. But back then he was kind of like, wow, you have Trey Parker and Matt Stone, and Mm -hmm. now you have Seth MacFarlane. And actually I was going through all my old DVDs. My wife and I, we were kind of trying to organize the house uh, the last couple of weeks. Something a sober guy does. That's such a sober guy move. And I um, was just like going through the DVDs, and it reminded me that in the late 90s and especially throughout the first decade of the 2000s, you're – your DVD collection said just as much about you as your CD collection did. Totally. So you had all these, you know, like it was cool. Like if you had the Ben Stiller show on DVD, as I did, it was like, I'm putting this front and center because yep. this tells you something about me. And I have Family Guy seasons one and two. Me too. Because like, especially after it got canceled, it was like, this is this is like people who get it know that the Family Guy was a great show. And now it's gone too soon, but I will make sure I have this uh, because there's no other way to watch it. For a minute, it was that show where like you had a little cred if you were talking to somebody else. Like I remember living in New York at 22 years old and talking to somebody who knew somebody who worked on Family Guy. And they were like, oh, yeah, Seth MacFarlane. Well, he'd drop anything to go back and do that again someday. Like he loved working on that show. And 
He was like, oh, wow, that's so cool to know that. And then he ended up doing it for another 20 years. Right. And now, Crazy. you know, now he does swing jazz albums. Yeah. Which we'll cover on this podcast eventually. At some point. Yes. A couple of uh, big movies came out that month. And by a couple, I mean two. She's all that. Saw it in the theater. Loved it. Fell in love with the girl who played the lead. Janie were, Boggs, I believe her name was. Yeah. You were a big Rachel Lee Cook Oh, guy. Rachel Lee Cook in the red dress coming down the steps yeah. to Sixpence, none the richer. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't beat it. Yep. And uh, one other movie that, again, things were just taking the world by storm around this time, Dan. This movie. The voice is wrong. This is your opportunity For here. you. Playing football at West Canaan may have been the opportunity of your lifetime. But I don't want your life. Yes. 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 Why do you think, Bob? <laughs> that's, of course, Varsity Blues, and that's James Vanderbeek and his asshole dad um, in the movie. Why do you think... We all remember that line. I don't want your life. Like, why is that the line? Like, if you were, if you were born between like 1975 and 1985, how does everyone? Specifically, if you were born in 1980. Yes, but more, yeah, (laughs) drilling down, just like everything else with this podcast, only truly effective as a vehicle for people born in exactly 1980. Why do you think everyone knows that line? And can immediately transport themselves to watching this movie. Well, I think it was in the commercial. I think it was part of the ad campaign. I don't want your life. Oh. A. I don't want. B. But I don't want your life. Is it cutting off there? <laughs> I don't want your lie. I don't know why they, you would think. you pull, Somebody pulled it on YouTube. Come on. And then the word that really matters gets cut. <laughs> it was Dawson, who we all knew. It was on every TV and like the biggest show at the time, it was Dawson doing this bad Texas accent. So it was just inherently funny. And he's like borderline crying in that scene. I mean, it was, <laughs> he's so emotional. He's so it. emotional. His forehead is like, like a drive-in movie theater. And it's just like the whole thing going on. Everything about it is pretty wonderful. What a great movie. Good movie. We love that movie. Uh, the guy that, the big guy, Billy Bob. Yep. Um, he came to NFL Media, this is like maybe eight, nine years ago, they did a uh, they did a bracket, some type of bracket for best football movies, which was a very sad bracket because for whatever reason, they can't. Hollywood has never been able to bottle up what makes football special and, and right. make a lot of good football movies. I don't know why it's that way, because they've made a ton of great baseball movies. Uh, but Billy Bob came to the studio to record something for like our website. I think it was it wasn't even on the network. And uh, just a lot of issues, a lot yeah. of issues for Billy Bob. Yeah. I hope he's doing okay now, but he wasn't doing okay then. That's right. Um, and you know, if you, if I could just indulge this for a second, you know who directed Varsity Blues? I do. It was the cool kid in the back of the classroom from Head of the Class. Correct. Brian Robbins. Brian Robbins. The cool guy from Head of the Class who also directed my first TV pilot, Playing With Guns. That's right. He was the producer on that. Now he runs Nickelodeon. But now, can you badmouth him? Because no, but I want to I tell know you like to settle scores. No, in I love Brian. Oh, okay. I love him. But one of the I love him. I love him. One of uh, he runs Nickelodeon, Dan. <laughs> um, one of the uh, my favorite like Hollywood stories I ever got was from Brian when he was talking about how right after he directed Varsity Blues, he could have Paramount said, do whatever you want. Like, he, you, he, wait, so he got the Paul Thomas Anderson treatment after Boogie Nights. Right. Basically, like he after Boogie Nights, PTA said, I'm doing this movie, Magnolia. I've always wanted to do and I'm going to make it as long as I want, as indulgent as I want. And you won't even be able to get to see it until it's basically out in the theaters. Yeah. So this, Brian Robbins got the same treatment after Varsity Blues. I mean, similar. This was Paramount Pictures saying, wow. you know, here's a stack of scripts, whichever one you want to do. You're our guy. Pick one. 
So Brian said he was reading all these scripts and nothing was jumping out. And he ended up reading this one that was written by these two kids called Superbad. Mm. And he decided that's the one. It was funnier than everything else. He said, I want to direct this one and I want to cast Method Man and Red Man to do it. And he went to the studio and they were like, oh, it's a little, it's a little dirty. We don't know about this. And the studio ended up talking him out of it. It didn't happen. But there's an alternate universe where Superbad comes out in 2001 starring Method Man and Red Man. Did, did Seth Rogen write that yeah, movie? Yeah, it was Seth Rogen and uh, Evan Gold- Goldberg. Evan Goldberg, yeah. that's right. Yeah. His writing partner. So yeah, there's a there's a parallel universe with those two guys in Superbad. Very interesting, Bob. Good knowledge. So that's what we're going to do in season five. We're just going to have like tidbits of uh, info, actual actual information for people that they could be like, that's a fun little anecdote. Ooh, I like that. All right, which takes us to the number one song yes. this week. In 1999. In the UK. In the UK. Yes. All right. Let's listen in. Through the hard times and the good, I have to celebrate you, baby. I'm so thirsty for alcohol right now. It's so good. Isn't everything? Yeah. Everything all the time? Wasn't this the song that they used for the synchronized dance at the end of She's All That at prom? Oh, was it really? I think it, it was. It probably, I mean, Fatboy Slim was everywhere in 1999. If it wasn't, it, it was sense. something like this. Yes. No, this was a really cool music video where it was like this like little uh, flash mob outside, I want to say a movie theater or some sort of theater, doing this weird dance that everybody was watching. Of course, this is Praise You by Fatboy Slim. You say Absolutely. that? Yeah. yeah, I think you did. There we go. It's a good song. I uh, was surprised when I went through my library. I have like five different Fatboy Slim songs. He was quite ubiquitous at that time. Yeah, Fatboy and Moby. They were the two. What was the song he had um, with um, Christopher Walken in the video? That was Weapon of Weapon Choice. Weapon of Choice. Which was an amazing, obviously, video and great song, too. What was the one that we were playing right before with Gangster? Gangster Trippin'? Yes. Yeah. That's another one. Yeah. Let me just check in. I want to see if I was right about this. I remember it was, it was uh, Usher was the DJ, and <laughs> Freddie Prince Jr. and Matthew Lillard. They're all dancing. It turns into a, a synchronized dance off. Oh, Funk Soul Brother. Is that Fat Boy Slim? I think so. Right. Was that Chemical Brothers? You know, you should, Bob. This Fat is Boy good. Slim. It's Fat Boy, Fat Boy Slim. Good for him. Rockefeller Skank. Rockefeller Skank. Yes. You should, Bob. Don't forget about his Brimful of Asha remix, too. <laughs> Fat Boy Slim was killing he it. He was all over the place. As a screenwriter, Bob, you should know uh, and take notes from She's All That. Because does it seem obscene, like obscene and absurd that the entire um, senior class of this prom knows an entire synchronized dance right. in the middle of the... Yes, it does. But if you have Usher say one line, hey, everybody, it's time to dance to that thing I taught you about. Yep. You're covered. Saved. See, that's, that's screenwriting, Bob. I need to write that down. 
Sometimes one line gets you out of a major pl- pickle. One line, one line, one line that they, one line that they probably got after they had cut the movie, and one studio exec was like, "This makes no fucking what the sense." What's going on here, you idiot? So they brought back Usher. <laughs> they put him against a wall. They threw up one little screen behind him, and they're just like, "Please, just say this." Yeah. <laughs> the song I taught you. All right, let's do it. He's like, "All right, this movie's in the can." Cost, cost them seven hundred thousand dollars to get that. <sighs> All right. Now. Wow, 99. Good times. It was a good time. It was an interesting time. Again, if you were born in exactly 1980, you were uh, you were in college, you were starting to experience new things, and pop music was undergoing an insane transformation, and uh, leading the way was a young woman out of Kentwood, Louisiana. She put Kentwood on the map. Oh, yeah. And she put out an album led by a single... Everyone knows. listening to it and this was a massive number one hit massive it definitely is dated when you listen to the production of it and the just the listen we're musicians so we hear these things you may not Uh, just the instrumentation and the production it's very dated but it's still the hook is there of the song and it's a fucking great chorus what a monster chorus and this bridge it's a great song of course and you know Britney will go on to have people critique her voice and her singing and for years and years to come but everything that's happening in this song is working yeah i mean they nailed it you i don't, mean you don't need her to be mariah carey in the song no not at all and and there was that what is that great podcast bob that uh slate i think yes yeah, Slate's hit parade where they yes hit parade where they did a breakdown that this is written by the swedish songwriter extraordinaire uh who mm. and the way those people write songs they don't have the grasp of the English language that we do. So some of the lyrics actually don't make too much sense. They just sound good, yep. which is this chorus, um, Hit Me Baby One More Time. I think it was about picking up the phone. Yeah, call me. It was written by Max Martin. Which is barely whole... English, but right. it works because it's the, the lyric, the way we hear it, it's a little bit hard to put your finger on it, in an interesting way. If it was Hit Me Up One More Time. Yeah. Right. This was so you know Max Martin out of that Swedish hit factory. They were submitting this to different artists to do it, and nobody was touching it. And Britney Spears said, "Let me do it." And Probably because everybody's like, "This doesn't make any fucking sense." Right. Get Usher in here. Yep. <laughs> 
But the thing we need a line from Usher in here. One of the things I learned from that episode was how so much of what that song became was because of that music video. Right. And that was all Britney. That was all 16 year old Britney saying like there was some like big high concept video that was pitched to her. She was like, no, I'm going to I want to be in a schoolgirl outfit. There should be in a hallway. And good. she put her foot down at 16 years old and got what she wanted. And that changed everything. Yes. I mean, I think the song is so strong and, and she was visually striking on a number of levels that it would have been a big hit regardless. But the, when you think about her as like an iconic artist of the time, you yeah. think of her in that outfit in the hallway with the uh, backup dancers. I always go back to that. Uh, I read that book. I want my MTV, the oral history of MTV. And when you go through that, you really get a sense of how many of these bands in the eighties and nineties became what they were because of iconic music videos. Like if imagine there were a lot of songs that were about asses that were probably better than baby got back. Mm. But sir mix a lot was like, I'm standing on a giant butt. And mm-hmm. everybody's going to be shaking their butts at the camera. And it became an iconic video that just blew up. I agree with your greater point, but I also think Baby Got Back is fucking perfect as it's a song <laughs> as well. I'm just saying. But there, your there general might, point stands There might as be well. a better butt song that never made it because they didn't have a great music video. You think there's somewhere out there a song, <laughs> a butt song that's better than Baby Got Back? You know what? I'm going to make it my life's purpose to find out. All right. I like that. And I've talked about this before on the show. When you have a truly great song, and that is, you could try to be cool and be like, oh, Britney Spears, she's terrible. It's not real music. Uh, But when you actually just strip away everything, that is a really uh, catchy, well-written song. And sometimes a good way to tell if a song is, um, how good a song is, is you could kind of deconstruct it and play it and arrange it in a different way, and it still works. And uh, there are a lot of covers of the song, but uh, the one that was most well-known in our world uh, was by a little um, Scottish band called Travis, and it was one of the great Napster songs of the era. It's a cover of Baby One More Time, uh, and let's listen to a little bit of that. Show me what you want it to be Tell me, baby, cause I need Is killing me, and I, I must confess, I still believe, still believe. If I'm not with you, I lose my mind. Give me a sign. Now hit me, baby, one more time. The great Fran Healy. This is this is taking me back even more than Britney is. <laughs> Getting that on Napster was a was a big get. Yeah, this is right around, this is right when the man who was taking off for Travis yeah. and they were like this cool, they were Coldplay before Coldplay and then you found this and you're like, what the fuck is going on here? I want to be in that crowd. I want to be laughing along with those people. I want to listen to the chorus one more time. Show me how you want it to be Tell me, baby Cause I need to Is killing me, and I, I must confess, I still believe, still believe. If I'm not oh, with it. you, they're loving it. They just have fun. That's what Scottish people just love that shit. <laughs> is that a, just, just a general thing you're just gonna throw out there? Scottish people love that shit. I mean, show me one Scottish person that's not like I want to sing. 
Britney Spears in a winking way. Right. Like, nah, that's a great idea. Let's go do it. Let's go do it. No. Let's go do I'm Scottish. There it is. There it is. Let's go do it. <laughs> Not bad. Right. Before we move on, because we are going to do the rest of this album. What? No. We don't have to do that. <laughs> what are you talking about? I know. It seems, now it seems like a bad idea. But I feel like we just need to give Max... By the way, some of the names of the songs in this album are truly insane. I, I know. Just it's going to be fun. That. We have to give Max Martin his due. Going back to those hypothetical people that are like, oh, Britney Spears, that song sucks. The guy that wrote that song... Let me just rattle off some songs that Max Martin has written alongside Baby One More Time. Okay. I Want It That Way by the Backstreet Boys. Banger. It's Gonna Be Me by NSYNC. Okay. I Kissed a Girl by Katy Perry. Whoa. Uh, Shake It Off by Taylor Swift. Whoa. Blank Space by Taylor Swift. Well, he co-wrote those songs with Swift, but... The biggest song of 2019, Blinding Lights by The Weeknd. Whoa. So he's still doing it. Still doing it. This guy's a monster. You know, that is very interesting because he's been around forever, which means he's got to be in his 50s or 60s by this point. And like rock bands, for instance, by the time you get to your 50s, you're pretty much shot as a creative entity. Mm -hmm. Even by your 40s, many bands are. This guy truly cracked the code in a scientific way of how to write a hit. So it's not that he's this great, incredible, like genius uh, songwriter of all time in terms of like the art of it. It's he actually figured out like the science of it. He did it. He, by the way, speaking of Katy Perry, he also did California Girls, Teenage Dream. And Dan, because I know you want to know this, Usher's 2010 hit, DJ Got Us Fallen In Love. <laughs> Usher's everywhere. Wow. All right, here's track two. It is uh, parenthetical, You Drive Me, close parenthetical, crazy. Do you need the parentheticals? Maybe one more time starts with an ellipsis. I know. Which is kind of outside the box. having fun with punctuation. Wait a second. I need, you know, as a Britney completist, I must say, if you were there, as we were, Bob. We were there. Then you know that the version of Crazy that was the hit was not the version that was on the album. It was the version that was on the Adrian Grenier, uh, Melissa Joan Hart film, also called You Drive Me Crazy. And it's the... Stop remix of it. So let's listen to that version. And then can we only talk about that movie for the rest of this episode? <laughs> yes. Thank you. See, this rings yeah, more of a bell. Yeah, yeah, exactly. See, you're not getting that from most podcasts from two <laughs> like 40-year-old dudes in the garage. Who else would know that? Song. 
Man, I'm, uh, I pulled up the music video, just kind of jumping around on it. Oh. Adrian Grenier bartending in the music video. Is it from cuts from the movie or no. is he actually in the no, video? No, they got him in the video. Well, so just Br- so everybody understands how big Britney was at this point, they they retitled that fucking movie. Yes. To co- coincide with the song on the soundtrack. There's no way that was the name of the movie Definitely before not. Britney Spears got big. 1,000% not. It's a good song. Good movie. And she looks good in the video. I remember that. Great in the video. We were, here's the thing. Should we, I think we need to say this now. Preface it, Bob. The people need to understand. We were 19, 18, 19 when Britney Spears debuted. Right. Uh, she was 16, 17. No, I can tell you, I can be even more exact, Bob. Okay. We were both born, has been stated often, even in this episode, in 1980. Correct. Britney was born, I believe, January 1981. Really? Either 81 or 82. Okay. So there's not a big age difference. We right. were around her age when she broke. Right. So I just want to say when we talk about underage Britney now, we're talking about her as our 18-year-old selves. Which is why, as I was saying. Is that legal? <laughs> I am glad that a Britney Spears didn't show up in 2021 because then you would really have to look the other way on it and, and be and to avoid being a creep. And, 100%. And you might struggle with it because a very attractive girl. But in the moment, she was basically a peer. Yes. She was born December 2nd, 1981. There you go. Yeah. She just turned 39. So we're in the clear. We're in the clear. Back then. Back then. But if, if Britney came out today, that's that's what I'm trying to hit at, Bob. I know. And it, it, I it's, get what you're it's going to happen at some point. There's going to be the next big Britney star. And we're just going to have to, again... Look the other way. <laughs> Look the other One way. Thing that Look I, far the other way. When we were kids, I always, I never realized that when I would get to this age, that I would still be on some level a monster. Like I, I thought Nobody, once you become a dad right. and get married and have children, you are no longer a monster. Correct. And the, the monstrous ways of your youth right. and adolescence. And what I've learned now as a 40-year-old man is that I'm still a monster. And yet the monster now needs to be kept locked away. <laughs> the monsters. Because it's not appropriate yeah. to still be a monster, even though I still am one. 100% true. That's yeah. what's difficult nobody, nobody, about growing up. Nobody warns you about that. Nobody says you're still going to be you and have all of your monster tendencies. Right. Even into your 40s. And that's why when a bunch of guys get together, it's such a release. Right? Why we have our, like we have our guys weekend that we weren't able to do this past year because the monster needs to come out on some level and be in a safe space. Yes. Um, now I'm going to, this is all a big generalization, but I will say the difference between us and women is I believe a lot of women, once they hit this stage, they are a different person. And some of those tendencies, if there's a monster inside a woman, which I, I guess there is, I don't want to oh, yeah, lady monsters. That maybe the lady is able to say goodbye to the those younger tendencies within your soul easier than the man. I mean, am I in tricky territory? I know it's 2021, it so you got to like be careful. The fact that you're being so careful makes you sound so guilty. <laughs> like by having so Well, no, I'm being very upfront that I'm a monster still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But th- I feel like our wives, But for I think instance, it's important to say you don't act on your monster tendencies. You're just a human monster. Right. I'm using my wife and right. your wife as an example. They're here. great people. I don't think they struggle no. with like, man... The way I was back then, 
you know, I still have to keep that under control. I think that's <laughs> that person's gone and they matured as a human and now they're in a different place. Right. There's that a part sense. of me that never left that original place. Right. That's why we're still friends. <laughs> I think I explained. I think people that are listening get it. All of the monsters that are listening completely get what you're saying. <laughs> and it, it, for our female listeners, I would love to know if there is a monster in you that you need to hold at bay or hide in shame in the right. cage within. Right. And I, ho- I honestly hope that you don't have that monster because I don't think there's anything positive about the monster. No, I disagree because I think the monster connects you to your youth. I think it's part of who you are. Hmm. And if that monster died completely, you would lose a part of yourself. I like you saying this with this music. Me too. And by the way, the original title of Drive Me Crazy was How I Created My Perfect Prom Date. There you go. You tell me you're in love with me. <laughs> I fucking love this song. You can't take your pretty eyes away from me. It's not that I don't want to stay. Do you ever find what, like the monster, you think he's in the cage, and then you see the cage is open? It's just oh, swung open? It's happened, for sure. And I go, shit, where the fuck is this oh, monster? Oh, shit, we got to put this monster gotta away get this quick. thing back in the game. Yeah, things, people are going to see it. Yeah. No one can see this monster. No. Initially, I thought Bob was on the same page as me. He's actually talking about his dick right now. <laughs> sometimes I hide. Sometimes I'm scared of you. And all I really want is to hold you tight. Treat you right, be with you day and night. Wow, we know all that. I need is time. That's that's how that's how big ubiquitous. this was, and that's also again, not to belabor this point, but it's a part of what the fabric of this podcast. That's monoculture shit. Yes, that's she was so huge that, and it, she was on the radio all the time. She was on TV. She was on MTV. Well, like us, yeah. So even if you I were almost saying, stopped you to be like, shut up, I like this part. Right. <laughs> even if you were not a fan of this type of music, it was omnipresent, so it seeped into you. Mm-hmm. You could avoid things now. Yeah, there was no way to yeah. avoid this. And we didn't want to. No, not this. So the first, uh, so we're three for three with singles. Yes. All three songs have been singles. Wait, I was, this is the breakdown I really like. Oh, no, you have this. Yeah. There's a good breakdown coming here. All three songs are singles. Can we get the uh, order of these? Because I remember this being a later sing. Okay. You'll see. will be. Here's the album. As you said, January 12th, 1999, Jive Records. Man, the holiday party at Jive Records must have been fucking awesome in 1999. <laughs> um, flush with cash. Um, Baby One More Time, the lead single. Sometimes. So this was second. The second single. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. And I would have guessed that. I remember that. And that makes sense because You Drive Me Crazy was the th- third single, yeah. which was released... 10 months after Baby One More Time, so she was the biggest star in the world by then. Right. That is not an exaggeration. Britney Spears was the biggest star in the world in 1999. 
So Baby One More Time, I'm looking to, was released October 23rd, 1998. So we were newly freshmen in college. Again, we are in the clear. <laughs> Brittany was 17. We were 18. Yeah. So just fuck off. So Crazy was a summer song. That makes sense because I kind of remember it being that. We hadn't even purchased the cage yet. No, no. We didn't have to hide the monster. We were we, we were the monster. The monster was growing. Are you talking about your dick again? No. I'm talking you, about the metaphor. I'm trying to have the metaphor conversation. But, but you I, can't, I can't help but think you're talking about your genitals. Well, just because my dick is out doesn't mean that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Sometimes, huge single. I think Nigel Dick directed the video. I, I have so much. Um, I have so much Britney Spears information floating around my brain. I have no need for it, but it won't go away. <laughs> oh, I like that song. That's good. I it's- mean, baby, one more time. You drive me crazy. The stop remix, and then sometimes one, two, three. Whoa! Guess where the video was uh, shot? I'm going to guess it was Santa Monica Pier, Paradise Cove in Malibu. That is the number one place when you move to L.A. to bring your family when they come visit. Paradise Cove. Also where I proposed to my wife. Really? On the beach at Paradise Cove. Your current wife. Yeah, the first one. I didn't know that. Absolutely. Love Paradise Cove. Got down on one knee right on the beach. We had a couple drinks at the famous uh, seaside restaurant. That explains why she said yes. And uh, then we went for a walk on the beach and I did the old, whoa, is is that a whale? And I um, pointed out to the sea, and when she looked, there was nothing there. And when she looked back, the old Zeuser was down on one knee, completely nude. <laughs> she was looking at the whale the whole time. And in one hand, you had the uh, the ring. In the other hand, you had the key to lock the monster in the cage, <laughs> not having any clue that the monster would break out a few months later. Where is this monster? <laughs> not again. All right. So now we're going to... So you know, we came in hot there with the singles. This is one of those albums yep. where you almost rather, for the purposes of this show, have it be spread out because then you're going to get to a bunch of shit. And I can imagine, I've never heard this album. Of course. I can imagine that there is some real fucking gutter balls on this album. I bet there's going to be, there's going to be the gutter balls, but I bet you there's at least one or two songs that seeped its way into our lives as uh, All right. college students. Uh, uh, here we go now. Here's Soda Pop. It's not going to be this one. Because here's the thing. Like, you talk about college and people are making mixed CDs at this point and on their real jukebox, they're putting together playlists for parties. Yeah. And, you know, there's not going to be Britney Spears deep cuts. No, that's right? true. Yeah. Let's listen. So, Bob's going to order us dinner right now, so I'm, I'm just going to vamp on Soda yeah, Pop vamp, for a second. Yeah, vamp a little bit. There's, there's a little bit of a weird vibe going on with the album starting at this point, and it's part of its... Some of the song titles where all of a sudden, you know, these songs are being written for Britney, and she has these songs where she sings about being, you know, infatuated with boys and stuff, and then you'll have just weird song titles like Soda Pop and... Um, 
email my heart and I will still love you. You know, some of it is a little bit, Bob. It's like you think about there's monsters that were propping this little girl up uh, as a tart uh, before maybe she was ready for it. Because as she went on in her life, it seems like she started to lose grip with society. And I wonder how much of that tied into what happened during this stage of her life. Was that a question? I'm not listening to you. <laughs> I'm saying I'm a little concerned about Britney. Oh, got it. Ultimately. No, that makes sense. And I guess it all started at this point. Uh, and I'm not saying it's because of the song Soda Pop, but I'm not saying it's not. I feel like we might be ground zero of what made Britney um, crazy. Do you think Soda Pop is ground zero of what made Britney Spears crazy? What kind of vamping involves you asking me questions while I'm doing something? <laughs> How long does it take you to finish this order? Well, to ask your wife that question, because she's really just pounding on the, uh, <laughs> just really just trying to get a lot out of here. All right. Okay. Uh, Soda Pop, I kind of like that. It reminded me of Fly by Sugar Ray. More Sugar Ray talk on the throwback pod. We are big into Sugar Ray right now. But I think we have to make a decision now. One song off of this album this multi-platinum album is going to end up on the throwback podcast playlist. We have to decide, are we going to go with a single or do we want to find a Britney Spears deep cut (laughs) like soda pop and just blow everybody's minds, including our own? Well, I think it's fair to keep our minds open. Okay. Um, Because I don't think it's necessarily going to give us any level of cred to have a deep cut on there. It will be probably just perplexing to people that have the playlist. (laughs) Um, So we can't do it just for the shock value of, wait, that's a Britney song I've never heard of. It has to be like a gargantuanly great song that somehow was not released commercially as a single. I mean, who knows how many Swedes she had in the back room writing her hits. So maybe there's something in there that, you know, it just didn't make it onto the radio. But, you know, Florgan Bergorgensen... (laughs) Just fucking nailed it, and we'll get to appreciate it tonight. So I'm worried about Britney. I've, you know, it's been a, a tough run for her. We're now about 12 years out from when she shaved her head, <clears throat> um, and was caught by the paparazzi. And you know, her father is her, essentially her her conservator, and there's all sorts of drama with that. Um, I just want to play, and then I followed Britney on Instagram for a bit. Um, in 2020, Bob, it was like one of those weird 2020 things to do. Mm-hmm. And there's some just bizarre shit going on on her Instagram that makes me concerned. I want to just um, play something from her Instagram right now. Um, at some point, I think it was last summer. Uh, this is Britney Spears response to fans questions on Instagram live. Tell me if this is strange to you. Okay. Asking me a lot of questions during my comments. I listened, and so now I'm going to answer all of your questions. The first question that you mainly ask me is what my favorite song is. My favorite song is Toxic that I have done, and I have no idea what my favorite song in the whole world is. The second question is a lot of you have asked me what's my favorite place to visit. My favorite place to visit is Hawaii and Turks and Caicos. Turks and Caicos is a little bit more jungly and more um, tropical. Um, like, what's wrong with her voice? What's going on with her voice? She sounds like she's had that computer that she was singing into in 1999 installed into her vocal pipes. Is that something that could have happened? I assume it's possible. The most beautiful ocean. The spot is amazing, and it's my favorite place to visit. Okay, what's my favorite food is a chili hot dog. And then um, if I had what? three wishes, what would they be? For love, happiness, and a world supply of designer clothes. That's it. Okay, so... Okay. And one one more thing, Bob. I 
have talked openly, um, in fact, putting myself at great risk uh, from a criminal uh, and uh, litigious standpoint about my plans to burn down this garage. Yes. I would like to burn down this garage as a show of, um, I don't know. I don't know why I want to burn it down. I've never understood why I want to burn down a, a garage that I don't even it's, own. It's not you. It's the monster. It is maybe the monster. It's something cathartic uh, to watch this motherfucker burn to the ground. Maybe it has something to do with this podcast. Maybe mm-hmm. I don't know if I really got that feeling until we started doing this show. Uh, but guess what? Uh, someone's on the same page as me. Someone gets it. It's Britney Spears. Hi, guys. I'm in my gym right now. I haven't been in here for like six months because I burnt my gym down, unfortunately. <laughs> oh my God. Um, I had two candles and, yeah, one thing led to another and I burned it down. So- wow. <laughs> I mean, I know you're. I know you're always looking to replace me on this podcast with somebody like Zac Efron. It's a good thing you didn't replace me with Britney Spears. She would have taken all of your glory and burnt the garage I down without lo- you. I just love how cavalier she is about it. Hi guys, I'm in my gym right now. I haven't been in here for like six months because I burnt my gym down. Unfortunately, unfortunately, um, I had two candles. Uh, whoopsie. Wah, wah. Unfortunately, I burned my gym down. But but that- who but who has it? <laughs> Here's the difference. When I burn this fucking garage down. It will not be an accident. You'll know all about it because it will be in the news. Area Man burns down rented property (laughs) as a show of cathartic force. For podcast, question mark? (laughs) All right. Here is Born to Make You Happy. Maybe this will be the deep cut, Bob. I'm sitting here alone. Sounds like like a real like R&B song from the late 90s. Yes. I kind of like the submissive nature of it. I was born to make you happy. You would. Kind of into that. Fucking monster, you would. Kind of into that. (laughs) That's my job. My job. I've been put on this earth as a woman to make you happy. Wow. You don't get that sentiment so much anymore. No, that wouldn't fly nowadays. That would be rewritten. This song would be immediately chucked as It's like how um, Baby It's Cold Outside, that holiday standard... John Legend re-recorded it with Adina Menzel. And the line, the famous line is like, um, what is the line? There's like what's a rapey in, what, line. What's in that drink? What's in that drink? And then also like, uh, you know, saying, stay here. Yeah. I'm going to rape you. And John, John Legend in the song is like so on the nose. He's like, you know, you should stay here, but it's only if that's your choice. <laughs> it's like, come on. We don't have to be Just so on the nose. Don't do it. Right? Just don't do the song. You have the power in this dynamic. <laughs> <laughs> so this song would make, t- take a little bit of a rewrite to work. Did you know, that Bob, that this album sold 10.7 million copies? Of, oh, according to SoundScan, but according to the record 
Industry Association of America, the shipments are 14 million copies in the United States alone Holy for cow. Baby One More Time. Wow. And it is sales of over 25 million copies worldwide. It is one of the best-selling albums of all time. Oh, I love this game. Let's see which two albums it sits in between. Well, yeah, I was going to ask. I feel like pop music, it doesn't travel, at least in our direction as well. I mean, I, you know, One Direction made it here, but, you know, there are so many, like, girl bands over in the UK that never make it in the US. I wonder how big Britney hit when she hit here, how it was going around the world. Hmm. Yeah, it's possible that it did, she didn't hit in the same way, but I think she's pretty much a global brand. Yeah, right? I mean, she's definitely global, but I'm just curious. All right. You know, as a as a we talked about this on our one of our mini pods over on Patreon. As a Sugar Babes fan, Dan, I um, of course I respect these British girl groups, and I'm just curious to see if Britney was able to transcend, was able to make it over the Atlantic Ocean. All right. Well, let us know, uh, overseas fans, if you know who the fuck we're talking about right now. Um, here, all right. Here are the two albums that sandwich Baby one more time on the biggest selling albums of all time. Okay, here's an, another female artist. The year was 1993, Bob. Okay. Guess. Female artist, 93. Is that Whitney Houston? It was Mariah Carey oh, with Music yeah, Box. Of Gotta get that, that one. Sense. You need that one, Bob. Um, and I, I was thinking Bodyguard. The next one, the year 2000, the uh, genre is new metal, rap metal, alternative metal. We're talking about Chocolate Starfish. Incorrect. Whoa. It is the hybrid theory by Linkin Park. Oh, fuck. 2000? Yeah. Man, I went 0 for 2. Huge. All right, let's keep rolling here on Baby One More Time. This is From the Bottom of My Broken Heart. It's the last single released on the album. Okay. Never look back. Like, how is this song five minutes and 13 seconds long? You need every fucking second. I hear within 10 seconds, this this does not need to be more than three and a half minutes long. Do we have to finish this album? All right, let's listen to this. How deep are we? About that way in. This is a Tony Braxton song. It really is, yeah. And this is not what Britney does best. No. And I guess, you know, it's her first album and they were, everybody was working together to figure out what Britney does best. But, you know, obviously the toxics and what was to come was way better than this. Way better fitting her wheelhouse. Don't need it. Don't, Don't love it. it. Don't like it. We move on. Here's I Will Be There. Could this be our deep cut? I already like it. You know who was her manager? At the beginning of her career? That little fat creep, Lou Pearlman. Lou Pearlman, yeah. <laughs> Big old fat creep. Monster creep. Dead now. 
I'm talking about a guy whose monster was on the outside. That Lou Pearlman. Lou Pearlman turned out to be a, a sex monster, I Despicable believe. sex monster. <laughs> Area despicable sex monster. Lou Pearlman's <laughs> back in the news. Is that defamation? Or I think we could say it. Uh, well, Bob was, said that. I think he was a confirmed sex monster. Alleged? No, sure. I think he was convicted. He was I think a convicted he, sex monster. Did he die in prison? I believe so. For, I think, some type of maybe financial fraud, though. Yeah, he was also big into blimps. When he looked in the mirror. Oh! oh. Right, here we go. never good when you click on someone's wikipedia page and the photo chosen for their profile bio is the mugshot from his oh, bad sign 2007 arrest not uh, not a good look for lou pearlman 1954 to 2016 an american record producer he was the creator of the successful 1990s boy bands such as backstreet boys and in sync in 2006 he was accused of running one of the largest and longest running ponzi schemes in U.S. history, leaving more than $300 million in debts. After being apprehended, he pled guilty to conspiracy, money laundering, and making false statements during a bankruptcy proceeding. In 2008, Perlman was convicted and sentenced to 25 years in prison, and he died in federal custody. I thought there was more to his story that was there unsavory. I think there's a lot more. That's what got him thrown yeah. in, the slam, uh, in the slammer for life. Right, right. This is... This sounds like it belongs at the end of Drive Me Crazy over the credits. There is such a 19... It sounds like uh, Natalie and Brulia. That did sound like Torn right there, yeah. That slide guitar. There is such like an overall 1999 sound to this. Everything we've heard. So when I was was a freshman in college over at Towson, um, me and... Lou Pearlman. Lou Pearlman, we used to hang out a lot. Imagine. Um, well, this could tie into Lou Pearlman. Me and uh, my buddy, Alan, my roommate, Alan and Eric, and uh, Liar Steve across the hall. Right. Liar Steve played guitar. He used to come in our room, and we would just, like, dick around and make up songs. Right. And we ended up having, like, four or five songs that we enjoyed playing, so we would go perform at coffee houses around campus. Oh, God. This and, this is... And they would be, like, very serious coffee houses, and then we would go up there and sing our, like, dumb songs about oh, no. Her. Everybody loses. Everybody loses. Yeah. And uh, one of our songs was about Britney Spears. What was it about? It was about how, you know, she was uh, she was a little too young for us, and we were to get in trouble because we loved Britney. So you went up there, you went into this coffee house, and you were going well, to no, do kind of like a Sandler type thing. They would do it in like the basement of the dorms. So like we lived in West Hall, so we would go down to the, like the first one was like in the West Hall basement. So we're like, oh, let's sign up and we'll go down there and right. we'll play the songs that we have. So we went down there and we uh, we did it. And people loved it because we were people Glory loved days. it. Da, 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 da. People loved it. People are still talking about it to this day. Yes. And uh, you're a legend on that campus. Legend on that campus, dude. I can't even go back there because I'm just nervous. About we ruled everybody. that school, man. Fucking ruled that school, dude. <laughs> you think people still say that? Oh, <laughs> uh, we ruled that school. Unironically, uh. fucking ruled that school. But yeah, we had a great Britney Spears song. I'll see if I can remember. If okay, I, if you could dig it up, I, I just want to put a button on the Lou Pearlman conversation. Uh, oh, Lou Pearlman was our manager. That's what yes. reminded me. Got it. Okay. In a 2009 interview with Howard Stern, Rich Cronin, the former lead singer of the band LFO, rest in peace. We lost Rich, right? Of course. Uh, said that he had only received a fraction of the money owed to him from record sales. Cronin claimed that Pearlman 
had, quote, wanted to bang everyone and had attempted to seduce him multiple times. Cronin also alleged that those who did oblige Perlman were looked after. So it must be yeah. made clear that that was an allegations against right. Perlman. He was in the slammer for being a dirty fucking cheat. That's right. That rob robbing people of money. Right, right. Covered, Bob. <laughs> Lance Bassett should be stated uh, stated that Perlman has never behaved inappropriately with him. Oh, them okay. being in sync. There you go. That's there you go. Covered. All Dan, right. Dan Hans is pro Lou Perlman overall. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's Deep in My Heart. That was, by the way, I Will Still Love You with Don Phillip. I almost want to say, Bob, we can spin through the rest of this album, but what if we like ended this by just hitting a couple of our favorite Britney songs that are on other albums? That, like, feels, like that, a be better, better? that feels like a better use of our time. I agree. You want to parachute out of this album? <laughs> and we're sure that there's nothing hiding in the back end. I'm not sure. I've never heard the album, but I... You would think... Well, you see, you're saying you're positive you don't want to listen to Email My Heart, track 10. <laughs> I do actually want to hear that. <laughs> Let's listen to Email My Heart, and then we'll do a little bit of a Britney draft. Like, after this album, what were our favorite Britney songs? Yeah. I'll give you the first overall pick, okay. so I'll give you time. Um, and, and, and here's Email My Heart. Email oh, yes, my it's heart. a ballad. Imagine all the people. It's an email ballad. This is the song that people most want to be buried to in Sweden. When I when I die, Dan, and you have to send out an email telling people I'm dead, I want this song attached as an MP3. How presumptuous to think that I'm going to send that email out. So I just clicked on something knowing that Tasca had every Britney Spears song ranked. So there's 156 songs listed. Number 156, email my heart. Oh, really? Okay, <laughs> yeah. I'm more interested now. This is a great line. So I guess there was an interview back in the day where Brittany explained, quote, it's a song everyone can relate to. You know, everyone's been doing emails and it's email my heart. There you go. Everyone's been doing emails. <laughs> I love that. But is that the worst song that Britney Spears has because it's just so outdated or is it because this sounds like any other song? I guess it's because it's so outdated. It's so ridiculous. Sorry, I'm checking out the Stephen Thomas Airline ordeal right now over at allmusic.com. My God. Here's the review from SDE, Bob. All right, fine. See, Max Martin, who is the master, mastermind behind Spears' debut, he has a knack for catchy hooks, endearing melodies, and engaging Eurodance rhythms, all of which are best heard on the hits. The ingenious title track, which is Baby One More Time, Sometimes You Drive Me Crazy, and the utterly delightful Bubblegum Reggae album track, Soda Pop. Whoa! Okay, SDE found it. 
All right. You were into it too, Bob. I was into it. Like many teen pop albums, Baby One More Time has its share of well-crafted filler, but the singles combined with Britney's burgeoning charisma makes this a pretty great piece of fluff. Okay. All right. So you like soda pop too, just I like SDA. So you have more in common with the great Stephen Thomas Erlewine than you like to admit. No. If he's great, then I'm great. We're all great. All right. Let's do the draft. Let's do the Britney draft, Bob. This is this is fun. I mean, this is tough because I'm looking at this list of songs. Do you want to just text me? Um, no, because I know I know most of them, or I know some of them at least, but I don't like, outside of the big hits, I'm not too sure if I even know what the right song is. Oh, really? So I'm going to go basic. Okay. If you know, we're doing a Britney Spears episode, we got to do her best song, and that's Toxic. Okay. Good choice. That's I mean, a, it's that, her best song. I mean, that's a safe, safe choice at number one overall. That's Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Can't you see I'm calling a like you should wear a warning? It's dangerous. I'm falling. There's no escape. I can't wait. I need it. This was a badass video, a great song, and it was yeah. now like four or five years after she came out. To have yeah. a single like this roll out, you're like, oh wow. She's got a little more got a little more heft to her than we thought yep we were like in our early 20s out of college living in new york and this was the song that made britney a like lower east side cool person to mm. listen to I just, yeah, that's pretty undeniable. Yeah, undeniable. Uh, it's an earworm. It's got a great hook to it. It sounds different. She had updated her sound there, working with the Neptunes. That that was exactly uh, what she needed to do at that time in her career. All right, I'm going to go <clears throat> with my pick. This is tough. Um, I loved, absolutely loved, like everyone else our age that time, just completely kind of just into Britney. She was just so attractive. She was so hot that when she dropped the the song, I'm a Slave for You, and now this is 2001, mm-hmm. because famously um, the MTV Music Awards, I believe were like the day before 9-11, put it on the board. The one with the snake. The with snake the snake. Awards. Britney comes out dressed as Jane from Tarzan, and she has a big yellow python, and she does. Same. I'm a slave for you. And the video, of course, is outrageous. This was the cover of the New York Post on September 11th was Britney Spears with the snake. Right. Obviously, the cover on September 12th was a lot. Britney Spears with the snake. Still the snake. They're like, can you believe how hot she was? (laughs) Just listen. All you people look at me like I'm a little girl. Well, did you ever think it'd be okay for me to step into this world? Always seeing little girl, don't step into the glove. Well, I'm just trying to find out why, cause dancing's what I love. Like dancing with 
Sorry, so this was 2001. When did Christina go full? Dirty. Dirty, yeah. I think she was the next year. Okay. Which is so on brand. Yep, totally. Great song. All right, Bob. Oh, we're still going? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go still ahead. going. How about that? Unless you want to go listen to Email My Heart again. I kind of do. I mean, <laughs> Give we're me another have, one, Bob. We're going to have plenty of time to listen to Email My Heart when it's on the Throwback Podcast playlist. <laughs> I, I can go with another one. You want me to draft Yeah, again? go back to back. Okay. Snake it. All right. I'll snake this one. And, um, you know, I want to throw a little love out there to her last big album that came out when we first moved to LA. It was Circus. There were bangers on Circus, Up and Down. Uh, and the one uh, that I really loved was Womanizer. Whoa. Oh, yeah. Listen to that. <laughs> oh, wow. It's bringing me back here. You know, you got to say, her, her sound did evolve. It really did. No, this is like a dance It's, it's like she didn't try to recreate that first album over and over again. She started working with different artists and... Womanizer. Yeah, that's a fun one. But I remember when it came out, I was like, oh, that's annoying. And it's one of those annoying songs. <laughs> it's super annoying. It's super annoying. But then like the more it comes on, you're like, okay. It's like uh, every Killers album up until the last one. Right. There'd, there'd be like the song like The Man. Where you'd hear it and be like, oh, this is bad. Right. And then you hear it 40 times and you're like, like, oh, it's kind of great. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to throw out one more. This was a. You know what? Just run with this. This is all you. This This was like um, kind of a hit, but not a huge hit. And most people don't remember it. But I remember it uh, because another. this is in the music video Hall of Fame. If you ever really want, like, what's a great Britney video that you haven't seen? Go check out three. One, two, three, not only you and me, got 180 degrees and I'm caught in between counting. One, two, three, Peter Pan, every, getting down with three feet, everybody loves all Like when you were listening to Ben Queller in 2008, Bob, I was just like way into like mid-period Britney. <laughs> so who's to say who wins? <laughs> I've I've never heard this and I don't like it already. Stay with it. No, I don't want it.
No, this is not. This is not. Anything. Shut up, old man. Three, Bob. About threesomes. Ooh. Oh, got it. Okay. Cool. <laughs> nah. I mean, listen, it wasn't the Benz. It wasn't the Benz, and that was years before that, Dan. Come on. And I don't mean the Benz by Radiohead. Bob was actually into a band of three nerds all named Ben, and That's... they were like, we're all nerds. We all work in indie rock and sell seven albums of every <laughs> album we put out. What if we put our Benz together and sold 21 albums? <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> Everything you're saying is technically correct, so I can't find fault in it. How about Peace of Me, Bob? No, enough. I don't think we need any more Britney Spears. I think I'm done. You're all set with Britney. I think I'm set. This is not good. Right, so you don't, like, you don't like getting on the dance floor. No, I don't like this stuff. What was the, can you do me a favor? Play the... Uh, if you seek Amy, I think I remember liking. Oh, that—that that, that was a good one. I kind of remember that one, but I could be wrong. No, no, that was also off Circus. Yeah, it was a later one. Yeah, good, good choice, Bob. All right. It's not really my choice. I'm I try gonna... to get Bob on the dance floor, and he says, "Nah, I'm not going to get on the dance no, floor." No, I don't want to get on the dance floor. All right, here's if you seek Amy. This sounds like the song from Schitt's Creek. The everyone's every. <laughs> A little bit of Lexi song. Whenever people make Shit's Creek references, I just nod. And oh, no you're out of it. Like the jingle bells in the song. It's a holiday standard. Awesome. Good choice, Bob. It's so you me. you picked it and you didn't like it. I know, because I kind of remember, I think I downloaded it at the time and I was like, okay, <laughs> Britney's still doing it. But look, Britney, Britney is of a bygone era. She's the early 2000s. She's 99 to 04. Three, oh, if we four. get another Ben, we could sell 28 copies. Imagine if... And another Ben, 35. Imagine if Ben Harper signed on. That would have been great. Ben Harper might get us 14 more and copies. Ben Gibbard from Death Cab. That's another seven. <laughs> we could have... like, how many Bens before we can so get to the Bens. All right, let's do it, Bob. Let's pick a song. Let's stick with the album that we we're focused well, on initially. Of course. Um, and, you know, to underthink it or perhaps not overthink it in a positive way is just to say baby one more time was the song that defined her career and and launched her into superstardom but i am going to be okay with if you're saying bob that's too on the nose if we want to go somewhere else i'm okay with that is that where you're at well i'm going to think about it as i thank everybody who made this episode possible and voted in our patreon poll over at patreon.com slash throwback pod the patreonies kicking in Kicking in a little bit of money every month to keep us afloat. And of course, our top tier sponsors, Kleiny from? Kleiny is from Australia. Correct. Bruno, the sponsor from? Parts Unknown in Canada. <laughs> and Courtney and Wyatt. Courtney from. and Wyatt are. I don't know where they're from. They're from. I don't know where they're from. Yeah. But they're wonderful people. Wonderful people. 
and of course, Nyao, Nyao. the Super Patreoni. And all of you guys, thank you for letting us, uh, for ushering us into our fifth season. Usher. Hey, you know that <laughs> thing I taught you? Now's the time. It's like, all right, we're covered. <laughs> you are our usher. Thank you, everyone. Yes. All right. <clears throat> I have two thoughts. I'm of two minds, and I'll let you make the final decision. You have to think about this amazing playlist that we've curated over the years. Mm-hmm. Baby One More Time, of course, would be, would be a, a great addition. A great addition to it. Nothing Gets Me Happier Than Sometimes by Britney Spears. But does that fit in our playlist? I don't know about that That one. is the question. Is that just something for me when I'm alone? I'm in my gym right now. I haven't been in here for like six months because I burnt my gym down. Unfortunately. Maybe I'll keep listening to Sometimes When No One's Around. Yeah, that's for you. And the playlist goes to the number one mega hit. Baby, one more time. Not the You Drive Me Crazy Stop remix? I thought maybe we'd come down on that, but I'm okay with that. You want to go with Baby? Yeah. Okay, let's do it. I think that's the, it's the right pick. Because it's a great fucking song. Yeah. And if you don't think it's a great song, go fuck yourself. You can do that for sure. Basically. And I think we learned something here, Bob, that you are more into the like the infant version of Britney. Yes. I the think little so. girl, uh, barely of age, feel like in the schoolgirl outfit. feel like you're trying to paint me in a Lou Pearlman-esque light. <laughs> and that is, allegedly, and that is your angle. I liked when Britney got on the dance floor and embraced. You like the mentally the unstable, thing. burning yes. down her garage. Yes. Needs her dad to take care of her. Please, daddy, take care of me. Yes. That's the Britney you like. That's your monster. Yes. And I like the Britney who's singing about emailing her heart. Interesting. Interesting. That really tells us a lot. And somehow our monsters get along. Right. Both of us equally monstrous. Of course. All right. So there it is. Baby One More. Ellipses. Baby One More Time is the latest addition to the Throwback Podcast playlist. And uh, we will be back in two weeks with another adventure from the Rented Garage that will burn. It will burn. And and like Brittany, (laughs) I will announce it uh, on Instagram at the appropriate time at throwback pod twitter at throwback pod follow us give us five stars on itunes and we'll keep doing this thing for a while we think we think and of course as always go fuck yourself